You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award-winning author, Amy Shoja. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shujai, and today we're taking an inside look at therapy dogs. Now that brings me to my rant of the week. I love dogs. I love all dogs, from purebred to rescue mutts, pampered showstoppers to fuzzy faces only an owner could love. Many of these canines, though, get short shrift, and even though they're stellar pets, they could do so much more than practice couch potato calisthenics because no matter the package dogs have a special ability to connect with humans now that goes beyond partnership in the field hunting varmints or fetching a ball in the backyard or snuggling with a loving owner every dog offers healing wags and furry therapy that can prompt medical miracles both physical and emotional just give them half a chance Today on Pet Peeves, we're getting an inside look into therapy dogs and perhaps how you and your canine partner can get involved. Now, I'm delighted to introduce you again to David Fry, intimately involved in the world of therapy dogs. Now, millions of television viewers already know David as the longtime co-host of the annual telecast of the popular Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. But he's not just an observer. He speaks from experience as a longtime breeder, owner, handler, and judge in the world of purebred dogs, but also as a volunteer with his own dogs with the Angel on a Leash Therapy Dog Program. So park your furry tails and get comfy, and we'll be right back with David Fry after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to healthcare written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List, who you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash best and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash best, B-E-S-T. 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio, and please help me welcome David Fry, the TV voice and face of the Westminster Dog Show, and he's the author of the new book, Angel on a Leash, that documents the therapy dog program of the same name. Thanks, Amy. Always nice to you. Well, you know, you were my very first guest on my very first Pet Peeves show back in 2008, so it's really about time that we came back and revisited. Oh, I think so. I think so. I always like to to have my guests kind of let the listeners know about a little about yourself first and what dogs share your life and maybe your pillow. My two great dogs that are that are sharing my life right now are Angel, my cavalier, who's about to be five years old at Park Leaf, and she's star of the book on the cover inside several places. And then uh, also a Brittany, two-and-a-half-year-old race, uh, who's carrying on for my two Brittany's that uh, passed in the last couple of years, Ty and Belle, and she's doing a great job of it, too. She's involved in the book. Uh, Ty and Belle are all over the book as well, but they're the ones uh, that are sharing my small one-bedroom in a high-rise in Manhattan. So they, <laughs> so we really do get to know and love one another. <laughs> well, you've been involved in dogs, for many years, and, and I've always loved your commentary during the dog shows, how you highlight that these canines are more than just a pretty face. Yes, they hunt, they compete, they work in search and rescue, and they work as therapy dogs. What inspired you to get involved with therapy dogs yourself? Well, I, I knew a little bit about therapy dogs, and I was doing some work for the Delta Society as uh, my PR agency. They asked me to help them with some publicity and some uh, video work for uh, their winners for their therapy dogs of the year uh, back in the, in the late 90s. And uh, that got me a little more interested. And actually, I had mentioned my work with therapy dogs on the air, on, on a Westminster telecast. And uh, Sherilyn, uh, who is now my wife, heard me talking about that and asked a mutual friend to introduce us so we could talk about therapy dogs. Because she was, had just gone back to graduate school uh, to get her master's in theology. And, and was going to write her master's thesis on animal assistance there. So uh, friends introduced us, and, uh, and the relationship took off from there, but it also got me more deeply involved in therapy dog work, whether it was helping her with her presentations at grad school or, or getting more involved as a visitor on my own. So that really started me down the path, and, and uh, it didn't take very long for me to begin 
involved totally. Well, I know that there is training involved for both the dog and the handler. How much time does that really take? What sort of a commitment is required? And, and I'd love for you to explain a little bit about the certification process, because it's not just enough that your dog loves people. There really are some, some hoops that you and the dog need to jump through. Well, it's always a little surprising when people think that my dog loves people, and that makes them a, that makes them a good therapy dog. I do like to say that great therapy dogs are born and not made, and that the, the training process probably is, I would say, like 90% or maybe 80% for the handler and 20% for the dog. That uh, sometimes somebody will come with a great dog, and if they don't understand that it's about the dog and it's about the patient and it's not about the handler, uh, then they're off to a bad start. But it's the handler's job, first and foremost, to protect their dog. Any kind of situation that we can put them in, the dog needs to be protected. And sometimes things can happen, uh, either knowingly or unknowingly, that they're not good for the dog. And it's your job to take care of your dog. It's your job to keep uh, the people safe that your dog visits and, and, uh, and just to be on top of everything you need to know in terms of what's best for them from a health standpoint and, and some of the other things that you might come across. So it's a, it, it depends. It varies by the organization that's doing certifying or the registering, um, but the process can be like a six-week class on Saturday mornings, for example, uh, followed by a, an evaluation and a test to see uh, how well the dog will perform in certain situations. And there, you know, not every dog can do every everything that's asked of them, and maybe it's better for them to start in a, a low-energy kind of environment like seniors or extended care, uh, as opposed to a bunch of body-slamming <laughs> and prodding children at the Ronald McDonald House. So you mentioned that there are different certifying or registering bodies. I know Delta Society is one. What are, what are some others? Well, TDI is one we hear about a lot. Uh, the Good Dog Foundation, those are ones that had great success at what they do. Um, as we encourage people to get involved with it, sometimes there's some geographic limits on what you can find. You may not always be able to find an instructor or an evaluator in your area from the organization that you want to be involved with. So that can make it difficult. At Angel on a Leash, our charity, we, we recommend Delta, which is now known as Pet Partners. We recommend them, but we also understand that they may not be everywhere. So it's just important for people to get involved. We want to see more therapy dogs in more facilities, and we'll support organizations that can help that happen. Is it a good start, I would guess, to have your dog become a canine good citizen through the AKC program? Well, that helps, but it's not really required. And actually, most of the canine good citizen exercises are, in fact, part of uh, just about any of the uh, tests that are given by some of these organizations. And I think there's a couple of them, actually, that that's all they require. And I'm not enthused about that. I think they need a little bit more than that. But, but yeah, the AKC good, if your dog can handle and a good citizen designation from the AKC, and uh, that's good story. Well, what sort of a dog is ideal for therapy dog work? Is size important, temperament, of course, health, I'm sure? Well, I, you know, as much as, as you know about dogs, I have two dogs that are pretty different in their personalities and temperaments, and my Cavalier and my, uh, my Brittany. And Brittany's a pretty active sporting dog, and I, and I laugh. They both visit at the Ronald McDonald House, and my wife happens to be the director of family support there and, and actually created the program at the Ronald McDonald House Resort, where they had never
never allowed a dog before. And, uh, and, and Angel, my cavalier, loves the kids, but she loves them one at a time. Ah. She likes to snuggle and be up close and personal. Grace, on the other hand, she loves the kids too, but, uh, and she loves them one at a time, but she, doesn't all, she also doesn't mind them doing the old body slams and poking and prodding. And <laughs> Angel's a little bit much of a princess to put up with a lot of that stuff. Angel visits with me at the Bone Kettering Cancer Center on Monday night where we visit the uh, Women's Health Center. We're, we're visiting with women who have had or who are facing uh, cancer surgery or are there for treatment or for some kind of a trial or a checkup. And she fits in the right side. She fits right into bed with them and, and is easily huggable and snuggled. Grace can do that as well, but she can't get into every bed there. And then I visit at the VA hospital here, a little tougher population, a little different population, and, and Grace really is a more hardy dog. Although I know Angel can do it, she has, I haven't really subjected her to that yet, but I plan to. Well, that kind of brings up a, another point. Not every hospital, not every Alzheimer's unit, not every children's facility for special kids, not all of these are going to be set up for these programs. If How do you go about inviting or suggesting to local community groups what are resources they can go to to see about setting up a program like this? Well, you know, it, it, years ago, the, the, the roadblock was the administrator of a, of a facility. It's the one who said, can't have a dog in my building because they're dirty. And, and as the science has shown through the years, the benefits that the dogs can bring, the medical professionals have gotten on our side. They said, you know what? These dogs bring a lot of benefits to the patients that they visit and the families that they visit and the staff that they visit when they're here as well. And, and a, a clean, we've shown that a clean, healthy dog poses no more of a risk people in healthcare facilities than do some of the people who walk through the door and probably and some of the people who work there. So it's taken us a while to get to that point. We have to be careful to protect that, make sure that, that we're operating by all the rules so that we never have a leave an opening that, that can create a problem. But the whole idea is to educate everybody and say, here's what's happening. Look what people across the street are doing. When we started this phone Kettering, we started the program there in 2007. Uh, Ty and I were the first team to walk through the door. They had never had a dog in the world-famous Bone Kettering Cancer Center. They had never had a dog in that building. Wow. We walked in there. On the day we walked in there, we thought it was a great victory to get in there. But, one of the, but I truly believe to this day one of the reasons we got in there was because the world-famous MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston had a thriving therapy dog program. And that, you know, there's some competition going on there between... Sloan Kettering and M.D. Anderson, of course. Sloan Kettering sees that M.D. Anderson has a program that's doing great things for M.D. Anderson. Sloan Kettering says, well, you know what? Maybe we ought to look at this, too. I, I really believe that's one of the reasons that we got into Sloan Kettering. When so what people can do, then, is find a successful program and take it to the administrator and say, look at the great things that are happening here for the patients, for the community, for PR for your facility, if this is something that uh, you would be interested in doing. Let me help you. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that we do with our charity, with Angel on a Leash, is that we design a program for the facility. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. You have to be able to know the population that you're dealing with. You have to be able to know the culture in the hospital. You know, they're very protective, uh, as Sloan Kettering, and rightfully so, of their reputation and of their, of their patients, not necessarily in that order. But uh, we needed to know that going in. We needed to know what the kinds of things they're concerned about, and they really weren't things that surprised us. Uh, they were concerned about the health and well-being, clinic, and disease risk, and 
Well, sure, because their priority has to be their patients. Absolutely, and ours too. It's only going to take one problem with one dog in one facility to shut down a lot of therapy dog programs across the country. So we all have the responsibility to make sure that we're playing by all the rules, doing it in a way that allows for that to happen. Okay, well, on that note, we're going to take a brief break with messages from our sponsors, and we'll be back to continue our conversation with David Fry and All Things Dogs. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back. And again, speaking with David Fry, the uh, co-host of the annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. And he is one of the co-founders of the Angel on a Leash program. This is a charitable therapy dog program. He's also the author of a new book of the same name. So I wanted to, before we get into talking about the book, 
there's something I think people are confused about, David. And if you could explain to our listeners, what are the differences between therapy dogs and service dogs? Well, therapy dogs are part of a team, and they're part of a team that visits people and helps their rehabilitation process or helps their health and well-being just by being there, just by eliciting a smile or some words or helping get their mind off, off whatever their challenges may be. A service dog belongs to a person who needs help with their daily life, whether it's mobility assistance or seizure alert or a guide dog for the blind. That's a totally different thing. And service dogs, guaranteed by the government, by the ADA, that's the ability. They're guaranteed access wherever their human can go. Therapy dogs don't have that same kind of guarantee. They're not allowed to go, as a service dog does, into restaurants, on airplanes, uh, into public transportation. I know service dogs often wear identification. Do therapy dogs also do this? Well, they do when they're working. Sadly, there, there are some people that try to put a therapy dog vest on a dog and walk around in public with it and use that as an excuse to gain access. But what that's doing, in addition to violating federal law, is um, making it difficult for the person who really does need the therapy dog to follow them into a place with their own service dog. I co-wrote a book with Mike Lingenfelter from Dallas 10 years ago called The Angel by My Side. It was about Mike's wonderful, uh, heroic, Golden Retriever service dog. It was a seizure alert dog for Mike, a heart attack alert dog, actually, tell when Mike was about to have an unstable angina attack. And Mike uh, often was challenged because he looked, Mike looks fairly normal. He walks into a place with his dog with a service dog vest on him, and he gets challenged all the time. I say, you're not blind. You don't need a service dog. Right. Out of here. And Mike, being the type A tough kind of guy that he was, uh, withstood that challenge, and part of it was educational so that the next little uh, the, the next little 11 year old girl who comes in there with her seizure alert dog doesn't have to face any kind of so I think people need to realize you have a responsibility uh, to to be ambassadors for the programs I think that's a huge responsibility that comes with it we're able to do things and we're able to encourage people to do things with the dog that they love and do things that are good for people in need in their community and we need to do it according to the rules and in a way that's helpful to everybody. Okay, well, David, tell the listeners about this book. I read the book. It is a 12-hanky book, but it's so well-written that you smile through the tears. There are such touching stories, but you get all of this great information out about therapy dog programs at the same time. What prompted you to tell this story? Well, you know, a lot of these stories were just in my mind as we went along doing them, and, and I said, oh, there's another one for the book, you know, kind of a book in quotes, just thinking, you know, that's sort of my own compendium in my mind of, of, the, of the great things that, that I've seen my dogs do. And I just finally got to the point where I said, you know what, I'm going to write this book. And uh, Andrew DeFrisco at Bowtie Press uh, came to me and said, we're ready for that book. And he really uh, got me motivated to make that happen. And and uh, the more that I wrote, the more that I talked to people, uh, the more that I was inspired to continue it and get it done and, and be able to share it with people, not only because I'm so proud of my dog and the things that they do, but also because I'm proud of the other dogs that are doing it as well. And, and I want to encourage other people to get involved in it. And it doesn't, need to be, it doesn't need to be a purebred dog. It doesn't need to be a best-in-show dog. 
we've done it with Best in Show Dogs at Uno, and I had the famous eagle that was Best in Show 2008. We're certified uh, together as a, as, a, as a therapy dog team. We visited Ronald McDonald houses all over the country, wherever I took Uno on. If his media stuff, we would visit people, we would visit kids, do great things. Um, Rufus, great bull terrier that won here in 2006, is, is an incomparable Great James, who won here in 2007. Uh, Josh, who won in 2004. The list goes on and on. They're used to people poking and prodding at them and being in, in noisy and strange places, but it doesn't have to be a, a purebred dog. It can be any breed or mixed breed of dog, as long as they have the right personality and temperament and the right handler to go with them. Well, I know we're talking dogs here, but I know that there are other animal companions that also work as parts of therapy teams, uh, therapy cats, therapy horses. There, I mean, there's, there's the list goes on, so don't limit it to, you know, the, the wagging partner. That's right. I mean, there are places for them. Um, there are not as many places for them as there are for dogs, but, but there are places and roles for them. Cats especially have had great success, and the other animals can be involved as well. Our concentration is on dogs for a lot of different reasons. Angel on a leash is all about. Well, can you share with listeners some of your favorite therapy dog experiences from the book? Well, I think one of them is the very first visit that we did at Sloan Kettering. And, you know, as I say, we were going into women's health, into the women's health unit, and me being a guy, you know, my first response, my first question of everybody was, is this all right with everybody? I'm, I'm a guy going into a women's health. Right dealing with women's cancer problems. And, and, of course, the answer is, well, you're not in there to talk about their problems and analyze their problems. You're in there to talk about life and, and help open that, hoping that the presence of the dog helps them. So the very first night I walked into a room, and my very first visit, and we walked in, and the woman was, was in her bed crying and in pain. And uh, I said, oh, I said, okay, I said, you, need to see, you need a nurse, you need a chaplain, you need social workers, there's something I can bring for you. And she said, no, I need you guys ah. over here. So Ty and I go to her bed, and I lift Ty up and lay him along her side. He's a Brit. He's about 33 or 34 pounds. And I lay him along her side and put his head on her shoulder, and he lays there like a rock. Which anybody who has a Brit knows that's not always possible. <laughs> so he's wagging like that, the Brittany way. Oh, yeah, he is. But he, but he lay there like a rock. He was great. And, uh, and we, it was very quiet for a while. She was petting him. Karen was her name. She was petting him and hugging him and talking. And it was like I wasn't even in the room. You know, a lot of times that's probably that's best. And uh, as we went on, she was still crying and she was still in pain. I could tell she must have just had surgery for 24 hours. And as she went on, um, she started to smile. She was still crying. And she was still hurting. She was smiling. Wow. And we were in there for about a half hour, which is long. That's a long time for a visit. Um, we occasionally have visits that long, but that was a long time. And when we were done, she says, I suppose a lot of other things go on. And in fact, detail this in a whole chapter in the book. She has been involved in my life for the last five because of this. Wow. That uh, when we were done, she was smiling. And so was I. And that's what dogs do. That's what Ty was able to do that probably nobody else, doctors, family members, could not have done. Well, you know, just being there, I think sometimes just as, as we care, and have, not having the pressure of having somebody 
there, you know, with kids all the time, and somebody comes in the room, and there's somebody there to drop blood or give them a shot or poke them or do something that's good for them. Or Karen, who was there, um, she was scared. There's no question about that. And today, she's a cancer survivor. Talks and writes about Ty and his visit to her. And uh, she's been involved with the angel fundraising and a wonderful part of my life in terms of being a great uh, testimony to the things that our dogs can do for them. There's a little more to the story in the book. That'll just be a good reason for people to run out and buy one. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that leads me really to my next question. We love the notion of bringing smiles to the faces of people who really need that emotional connection. But are there downsides? Are there? Is there an emotional toll, I'm sure, on the human part of the therapy dog team, but also for the dog? I mean, you mentioned that this visit was a long visit. How do people know when enough is enough for the dog? Because you need to take care of your dog. You have to know that. You have to be able to read that in your dog, and, and your dog will usually give you signs about it. If they're not, you still have to be able to say, this is enough, we're going home now. I'm sorry I have eight people on my list and I only got three of them, but uh, this is what's best for my dog. If my dog's come back next week, be as good at this as he was tonight, uh, then I can't push him any further tonight. Sometimes there's an occasion where you just might have to push yourself and the dog through it, but 99 times out of 100, you have to read the dog and say, that's it for tonight, I'm so sorry. We'll have to catch the rest, rest of you next time or the next dog coming through tomorrow see you because I'll take a dog home from a night of visiting and they'll be as worn out as if we've been running through the field all day long. Oh, sure. I think that's important to understand that the dogs do understand that. The dogs do feel that. Uh, it's not just to run everywhere and have everybody pet your dog. Uh, when we came out of that room with Karen, again, our very first visit, the very first night of dogs being in small Kettering, the social worker was there waiting for me because she wanted to hear about the visit. I know how to go, how to go. And well, it went great, but if they're all going to be this intense, I'm not going to be able to do them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. And, and thankfully, they weren't all that intense. Occasionally they are, but most of the time we're, we're talking to people that are, that are not necessarily coming right out of surgery. Maybe they're going to be there for a checkup tomorrow, and, and, or maybe they're coming out from a couple of days ago, or maybe they're just there to, be, to find out uh, what's going on in their clinical trial and things like that. They're not all quite that intense, and maybe they're only five or six or seven minutes, but, uh, but every once in a while, you really have to stay there and say, okay, I'm here for as long as you need me. Those end up more often not intense. The dog can make it through that, and it's, and it's my job to get through that, too. It's my job to make sure the dog... Well, I'm sure there are also occasions when the human patient just doesn't want to visit. Well, you canvass them beforehand, so I know that somebody says, yes, come and visit me, but there are times when you get there and, and they said yes to the canvasser in the morning, and by the time I get there at night, you know, I've had a tough day. Yeah. I haven't been well. I've been sick. Um, I'm so worn out. I'm sorry. Um, this isn't a good time for visit. But you walk in the room and say, is this, I'm David, and I'm here with, with Grace, my therapy dog, and is this a good, you'd like to visit? Is this a good time? And they'll say, sure, let's go, or, or no, or sorry, I don't feel good, or maybe they're not in the room, or or maybe, uh, kind of a funny story in the midst of all this intensity is that uh, one night I was visiting at, uh, at New York Presbyterian Hospital Cornell here, and, uh, and the nurses were a little bit more lax about who we'd 
visit, show up at the nurse's station and say, try Mr. Johnson in 4B. So I go over to Mr. Johnson in 4B, and he's in the back bed at the other side of the room, and I'm in the doorway and, and talking to him over the other bed, and I say, Mr. Johnson, the, the nurses have suggested I like him from a therapy dog. And he's talking to his wife, like me, and she says something to her, and she gets up and comes over to the door and says, not only does he not want to visit, he doesn't even think he should be here. Oh, oh no. I said, oh, my God. I said, and I, I mean, I didn't say anything. I, of course, I didn't say what I was thinking. But, um, but, I, but I said, okay, fine. And I went back to the nurse's station and was kind of laughing about it because, boy, I said to the nurses, I said, what's the deal with Mr. Johnson? I said, did you guys send me to the right room? And they said, oh, no. <laughs> That guy's been here all week. He's a total jerk. He hates everybody. Everybody hates him. We just thought we'd see if we could get him. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> that, that's only happened to me once in all of this. Or more often than not, it's a total other way. I, I, they go crazy for the dog. Well, David, where can people find a copy of your book, Angel on a Leash? Barnes & Noble has it. Uh, it's in most Barnes & Nobles, of course, available on Amazon and, and through Bowtie Publisher. Bowtie Press, who is the publisher. Um, I'm, I'm doing a number of book signings around the country. I'm going to the Seattle area this weekend, and, and I'm going to be a number of places with it. You can go to the angelonaleash.org website, which is the website for the charity, and it can also help direct you to uh, places to have the book. Well, I understand that part of the proceeds will benefit the Angel on a Leash Therapy Dog Organization. That's right. It's allowing us to continue the work, the great work that our dogs and our people are doing that so proud of, uh, of our teams that are out there every day doing something for people in need. And it, it's a wonderful way to get involved in your community, a great way to be able to do something with your dog. You know, a lot of us, hey, geez, I can't go to dinner tonight because I've, I've been gone all day. My dog's been home alone. I need to spend some time with my dog. Well, here's a way for you to get out with your dog and do something that's, that's uh, positive and rewarding for everybody. Great. Well, we are out of time. I'll make sure that the guest page on this show has all the information where you can find out more about Angel on a Leash, the organization, and the book. But I would like to thank David Fry and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for more topics that make you howl with delight or hiss you off. Woofs and purrs until next time. Be sure to pick up a copy of the new book, Angel on a Leash, and share it with your dog-loving friends. Or read it to your dogs. I'm sure they'll enjoy it, too. Our canine companions offer us unconditional love, so don't forget to let them know how much you appreciate their healing woofs and wags. After all, you don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.